Kelly, I'm so excited. We are on Skype right now, but by the time this episode airs, you're going to be in Victoria with me. I, and I think you even put in your calendar, Kelly, 5 p.m. so that we scheduled I hanging did. out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to make you do your shakeout run and then I'm going to make you drink beers after. Exactly. That's actually the secret sauce, right? Of course. I, uh, we're also going to do some kind of live thing. Thing. This weekend from yes, Victoria. We're, we're going to go live from our Facebook page and today on our Instagram, today Wednesday, so don't go looking for it if you're listening to this on Friday, <laughs> it's too late to vote. <laughs> we're, we were asking people uh, what we should do live in our live and um, asking for suggestions. A number of people think my mom should be involved. Unfortunately, my mom does not live in Victoria, so pretty sure we're going to have to Skype her in. Your mom doesn't come to all your races? I know. It's weird. It's almost like she has a job or something. I don't know. So, okay. I 100% agree that if your mom was here, that would be our choice. Obviously, we would have her on the live. Obviously. Yeah. But failing that, some people were saying we should interview some pro women. Makes sense. We should interview them on whether or not they're going to beat me because I would like to know preemptively. So, I think that's a good question. Right. Fair question right. to ask. And then someone made a really, actually quite a good suggestion that since we're in Canada, we should take kind of the language debate live and ask a few Canadians whether they, like what they think the word box means, whether they use skipping or jump rope, some of the ongoing language debates we've had. Okay. We might have to come up with a few more like examples. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm sure we can. Okay. Okay. So we're excited about that. Uh, But first coming up on this show. We are going to talk about the Bahrain cycling team's newest, newest, latest scandal, doping scandal. Are there too many Ironman races? The moments when all the hard work pays off and should runners help maintain trails? Kelly, I finally got my shipment of noon up here in Canada, and I am so excited. The last couple days, I've been going to CrossFit with Noon Hydration Sport watermelon flavor, and I have been loving it so far. But I want to know from you, what product should I try next? Okay, so you're trying the tablet. So the Sport tablet is the one you drop in your water bottle. They also have an immunity tablet for you know when you're feeling sick that you can drop in your water bottle. And I've been trying the, or been using the Noon Rest which is for recovery and relaxation. It's like chamomile flavored. It has magnesium and potassium in it. I you like drink it before you go to bed. Helps you recover well. You sleep great. It's fantastic. Okay, awesome. I'm totally going to try that tonight. Okay, if anyone at home wants to try, go to noonlife.com and use the code IRONWOMEN and you get 30% off. So Iron Women is our sister podcast. Noonlife, N-U-U-N, life.com. Give it a try. Live Feisties, If We Were Riding is brought to you by Ass Kicker Inc. Ass Kicker makes activewear for women featuring empowering phrases like work hard, play hard, kick ass, or strong women lift each other up. Ass Kicker Inc. also makes our fabulous Live Feisty tank tops, t-shirts, hoodies, and leggings. So to order yours, go to livefeisty.com and just choose shop from the menu. And of course, use the code RIDING to save 20%. That's riding, as in if we were, at livefeisty.com. And remember, I before E, except if you're feisty. I'm Kelly O'Mara. And I'm Sarah Gross. And you're listening to Live Feisty's If We Were Riding.
I know you obviously have some personal experience, Bahrain, so I'm going to let you, you know, elucidate us in a second. But first, let's talk about why Bahrain is like back in the news this week, in triathlon news, all over triathlon Twitter this week. Yeah. Un- unpack all the details for us, because I'm not sure I fully understand uh, f- them anyway. Fully so. follow. So there was that big doping scandal a few months ago, the blood doping one that kind of hit like Europe. And what we were told at the time was there was a number of sports cycling and triathletes involved. And we kind of have gotten the first names released from that. And some of the first names released were on the Bahrain cycling team, the Bahrain Merida, Merida. I don't know how you pronounce that cycling team. So what is being, I don't know what the word would be, looked into, investigated, debated now is that that cycling team is also in some like somewhat connected to the same people behind the triathlon team. The guy who is like the managing director of the cycling team is also kind of involved in the Bahrain 13 triathlon team. The prince who like kind of funds both of them. That managing director guy is also like the prince's coach and was like a one of the 70.3 race, right? Like, so there are like some connections and they certainly... Obviously, we don't know exactly what happens behind the scenes, but there seem to be connections, right? So this has kind of prompted a new, a renewed, not a new, a renewed interest in the Bahrain 13 team and has brought back up some of the criticisms that have come before the Bahrain 13 team, which I guess we should just like lay those out. If people aren't aware, there have been criticisms of the Bahrain 13 triathlon team because because of like Bahrain's human rights abuses in the past, because Bahrain 13 was like a name for a group of people that were tortured in the prison or or abused in the prison. prison. Yeah. And so there's been some concern that the Bahrain 13 triathlon team was deliberately named that to like mask those abuses. There were also unsubstantiated rumors that the Sheikh himself, the one who has the money behind both those teams actually was, had tortured someone in prison. I'm pretty um, sure all of the, like, that seems a little weird because I like, even if I believed everything, I would think that the princes like dole out their dirty, right? Like I, I would imagine nobody does it themselves. Right. So anyway, there have been ongoing issues. And so now there's like a renewed, um, debate on the Twitter about the Bahrain 13 team. Are they sketchy? Are they dirty? Are all Bahrainis terrible? Would you, would you take a Bahrain contract? And a lot of like throwing around, well, as an American, I wouldn't. Now, I certainly have some opinions about this and some qualms, but since you actually worked with the team, why don't you share some of your yeah. thoughts? Oh, man, it's a, it's a quagmire. I also, I mean, my family lived in the Middle East for 20 years and I do have like some strong ties there. So, and I don't want to like, before I speak, I don't want to come across as being like totally, like I, I want to say at the outset that I, I understand that there may be sketchy things going on there right? Like I don't want to come across as like totally apologetic or whatever, but I think there are some pretty major counterpoints um, that people don't necessarily understand. So for example, in Bahrain, cause it's a monarchy, right? Like the, all of the money in the country is controlled basically by like three people, right? So the fact that the same guy who happens to be in charge of all the sport in Bahrain is bankrolling both a cycling team and a triathlon team as a connection. It's like, of course he is he's in charge of all the money for all of sport. He's also funding kids soccer, <laughs> you know? Right. So that's like the, those connections are more, while it seems to us, like it's very clear because it's the same guy for them. It's just like, that's literally like the head of the 
sports commission for the whole country. So some of those things aren't quite as obvious. I also honestly, like there's the, the undertones sometimes around how easy it is for us to dismiss people from other cultures, especially other cultures that we don't understand. And that we sometimes, I don't know, that have been, I don't know, have been misunderstood in the past that it's sometimes easy to say, Oh, those evil, the evil Bahraini shake. It's all his fault. Uh, it's a little bit too easy. I feel right. But that doesn't necessarily, I mean, it is, there have been some overtones in a lot of this debate I've been reading on the Twitters and this debate has happened before that does start to reek a little bit of like, those people are bad. We're not. And it's obviously the first argument everyone makes counterwise is like the U S also does terrible things. But then my next feeling is always like, well, moral relativism is like kind of a weak argument, right? Like the U S does terrible things. Those that doesn't necessarily mean they're the same terrible things. That doesn't necessarily mean I would want to participate in covering up the U S is terrible thing, right? That doesn't, that doesn't mean all that's not an argument. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. I, I think that, one thing that I see, especially with cycling, and, and I said this when we were talking before the show, is that I see a bigger connection when there's a doping scandal to cycling as a sport. Like, okay. Like, it's like cycling as a, the, the idea that a cycling team, if they could prove, say if the Bahrain Morita cycling yeah. team could prove they were clean, that would be way more surprising to me than an, <laughs> just another dirty cycling team, right? I mean, cycling as a sport has an pr- issue with doping. It's had an issue for many years. And I, I don't think, I think looking for a connection to triathlon, which is, of course, there's dopers in triathlon, but in relative terms is, a lot, terms is a lot cleaner sport, is kind of a, it's kind of a stretch. Okay. And what do you, th- obviously you, you were on a contract with Bahrain 13, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. So... What do you think then about a lot of these in this whole debate this week? There's been a number of people that have said so-and-so turned down a contract. I believe Andy Potts turned down a contract with them is the rumor right now. I believe uh, Lucy Charles did, Miranda Carfrey did, I think Sebastian Keenley like left because of concerns they had about how the team was run, about the human rights issues, about wanting, like not wanting to be a part of that. Yeah, I, I know some other people too have turned them down, who mm-hmm. I've talked to who aren't who are unnamed. Sorry. Did you finish your question there? No, no. So I just like, obviously there are people who have been like, no, I don't want to be involved in that. Yeah. And, and you I think, decided you did. Yeah. Why? I think one of the pieces that isn't said there, I mean, it's easy to say, I say no to a contract because I'm saying no, because I think that I'm concerned about the human rights issues. They're also concerned about their own reputation. Like, let's be clear. Sure. Right? Like everyone on that team has been attacked in some way or another. And I think from my point of view, when I was offered the contract, to be fair, I, I also said no, but not because, not for other reasons. I was not, um, yeah, I, I struggled to do an athlete contract right at the end of my career like that. So I had to do some negotiation around how many times I actually had to race. Um, but because of my strong ties to the Middle East, there is a part of their, of the Bahrain 13 mission around like getting more kids involved in sport, right. educating people around obesity and activity. And they were asking me to be part of that piece. And so the thing I was being asked to do was something that I absolutely wanted to do and that I felt um, was real, that I feel is really important, partially because of my connection to the Middle East. So that is why I personally wanted to do it. I think if you didn't, I understand why if you didn't have that personal connection, it would be um, a lot harder to accept that contract because I did, I did come under a lot of heat from the triathlon press uh, around some of these issues. I just, I did actually educate myself quite thoroughly <laughs> around, <laughs> around Bahrain's like the history, the politics, what, what the Sheikh was being accused of and why, um, 
how that was all shaking out in the British courts. So, I mean, if anybody wants to know answers to any of these questions, I definitely have, if you want to go like super down, super yeah. down a hole. Yeah, it's interesting. I like I've thought I remember when we were you, this happened and you were like on different triathlon. The triathlon press makes it sound like a thing. Like the four people who cover triathlon. I was on like three podcasts. Right. You're on like yeah. three podcasts. Um, yeah. And I thought about it at the time and I was like, you know what? Like if I was offered a contract, which I don't think is going to be a problem, I would, I would have some serious questions. Like, because for me, like I previous, like I worked for Amnesty International uh, in the past and they've released a report like saying that they have serious concerns about Bahrain's use of sport and money in sport to cover up like to elevate their position so i would have like serious questions that i would want answered before i because that's like something i like have cared a lot about in the past right so i like get that people have questions but i also get like why you would want to work yeah. with kids and i think so. like the answers to my questions did not come out like oh bahrain is squeaky clean this is all fine i'll take the contract like it, of course it's not going to come out like that if you investigate any country or any country's decisions on the whole you're not going to get that right but I didn't think, I thought that it was suitably gray, if that makes sense. And I thought that I could make a difference. And I thought that, for example, some things that came out of my research, like the U.S.'s Navy base in Bahrain and how important it is for peace in the Middle East uh, was an interesting factor that nobody ever talks about. And so there was that. There was also like having, um, like knowing the Sheikh a little bit and like seeing his, seeing his good intentions um, around the team helped me a lot. Even though that doesn't necessarily right, mean, right, right. even though like, like in this day and age of me too, like just knowing someone personally doesn't really. Yeah. Like he could mean. also be making other choices. Right. Like it doesn't, you know, it's not like I'm the arbiter, or the <laughs> great decider on whether he's a good person, like whatever. Um, but, but I, I was allowed to be able to do some of the things I wanted to do in the Middle East. I felt, I feel really good about my time there. Like I went there on three different occasions um, and I felt like we, yeah, I just, I felt like we made a difference. I loved going to the schools and talking to the kids, um, organizing that stuff, talking to like, I got to, I still have friends there, you know? Interesting. Um, yeah. And we like, you know, we went, I remember like leading swim sessions there with groups of women. We had a big women's breakfast when I was there and it was such a, I mean, it was just such a great group of people, like everyone from locals um, and people from other, from the other Arab countries around to like expats from Europe and north america and australia there is definitely and this isn't like shady i mean it could be shady or sketchy i guess i should reframe that but there is definitely a very solidly documented effort in the total region in a lot of countries to use sports and pour money into especially mass participation sports and glamorous sports to like revamp their image i mean china's doing the same thing and uh and i was telling you how i really want to do the race in morocco the ironman race in morocco this mm -hmm. fall because who i'm pretty sure doing a similar like let's throw money at something so that people think when they think of morocco they think well, yay or, race or moreover sorry just to make this point make that <laughs> point or like moreover china mm -hmm. right who bought iron man China's throwing money at lots of races right now. There's an effort to get the Chengdu Marathon to be one of the world majors. You know how it's like London, New York, Boston, Chengdu, like, right? Like, because they just, 
that's like then then that you would think China and you would think marathon, right? Like they just they want like they want to be a different image in the yeah. World. And I you know I know that you were were you heading down a different track, but I, I was I totally was, heading down a different track. I, I was you like, back for one moment. Going, I was like done. You're done. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna go back to that. I'm gonna let you go back. But I just wanted to say because you triggered that in my mind about China and about how Iron Man's owned by China. Like if we're going to like if we're gonna start pointing fingers yeah, around yeah, countries, yeah. Sarah, are, Sarah, Sarah. But I don't think anyone's argument should ever be well china does bad things too but china owns iron man who runs like our whole sport right and there are right but like um what's the one i'm looking for right like i don't think i would ever hold that up as a example that we want to follow in the universe oh no absolutely not i'm just saying if we're going to be like that, that my i think i'm perhaps like that's where i was willing to accept oh okay hey guess what this is gray like I'm also still, China doesn't own Iron Man, a company, a company that is Chinese own Iron Man. Right. It's super weird when people say like the Chinese, right? Like right. that's not. Except where it's not super weird is when it comes to Bahrain. Yeah. <laughs> well, because well, because that's the prince that'd be like if Donald yeah. Jr. owned the team, right? That's a different thing. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we were going up. We were. Okay. Go back <laughs> okay. down your other track. Back on the rails, back on the rails. So with all these places spending all this money to burnish their international image, Mm -hmm. and and some of it sounds fun, like I really want to do the race in Morocco. Are there too many races now, though? Should there be a race in Morocco? I'm actually not sure. I'm going to send out my best feisty reporter to Morocco to find out if there should be a (laughs) race in Morocco. She's she's you. (laughs) But... I mean, I really want to do that one because I like lived in Morocco for a little while and I am actually not convinced there should be, which gets us to the question of if there are too many, are there too many, Sarah, are there too many races? Of course there are too many. (laughs) Yes. End of session. Yes, there are too many. Boom. (laughs) Questions answered right here. Why, why are there too many, Kelly? I mean, there are 78 or something like that pro 70.3s and like 42 or 40 i think it depends on which ones they decide pro fulls and that and there are and not every race is a pro race right so there's what there's like a like 100 and something races in the world now that's a lot like that like i cannot imagine that there's actually a market to sustain that there's definitely not a pro field to sustain that which means that everything gets a little bit watered down right all the races i mean obviously we've talked about why the north american races are so competitive north american 70.3s but at the same time there are other 70.3s that have like four people and not just because the women's fields are small like because literally you can't have people at every single race every week. Okay. That's from the, okay. So that's from the lens of the pro field, but right. let's just say if you have all these races, this multitude of races multitude. and people keep showing up and they're in countries where people haven't like Morocco. Sure. Where people maybe like the big Ironman racing 70.3 race coming to Morocco motivates a bunch of Moroccans to get fit. And so that's good, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I get why. Like I totally, like I know all the arguments for why you want to have races, like build it and they will come give the opportunity. And then opportunity creates resources. You have multiple examples of when there's a race, the town also builds like a pool and a track and like has training groups that didn't exist. Right? Like I understand that, but from a pro perspective, from a pro perspective. Okay. There are too many races and it's watering down fields and it's making it a little ridiculous, right? right. So it's not, so we're not saying that Ironman shouldn't expand and get more people active and continue to do that. We're just saying that they should get their shit together a little better around the pro race. 
Yeah, I mean, it seems like it also seems like um, if we look forward in the future, Sarah, let's put on our wild speculation crystal ball okay. hat right now. Okay, that I'll struggle to do that, but okay. Okay. They're not going to be able to sustain all of these. I mean, especially like some of these small ones are being like basically propped up by a rich person in that country. In mm-hmm. most cases in North America, they just keep adding like a new one every fucking week, right? They are not going to be able to sustain all these. We have to assume there'll be consolidation down the road. What's going to happen? Mm, good question. I, th- I think what's going to happen is some of them will drop off and that True. is all. And that, and that is, is all. all. I don't think there's going to be any big collapse. Okay. Sorry, that's like a mediocre. That is a mediocre. Ball. I yeah, mean, I sorry. think uh, I think what will be an interesting question is if, like, a lot of these new races manage to become sustainable, or if those are the ones that just disappear. Right? You have like three years in Costa Rica and then it's gone or whatever. So, like, where are we going to see the consolidation? Is it just going to be, like, the already oversaturated European North American markets that are going to lose races? Or is it going to be, like, these new ones? Um, it's hard to say. FYI. Yeah, and I think in, in, some, in some cases, like, just to go back to Bahrain for a second, you know, okay. it, he, where one person is, like you say, funding the whole race and also funding the race in Dubai, um, then when that ends, like, when the sheikh's dad decides... He's the done. king. We call him the king. Um, <laughs> the shakes <laughs> decides that that triathlon's no longer worth it. The money that it probably will disappear. Yeah, I mean, one would assume, and like to a lesser degree, that's true in like a lot of countries where maybe it's not a shake or a king, but it's a wealthy race director, like putting like, pulling together their friends to bring something to the country. So we'll see. We will see. We will. All right. Speaking of races. This past weekend was Ironman Brazil, which I uh, have zero desire to do, but I know is one of your favorites. I don't, I, I always enjoyed my trips to Brazil and do you know why? Cause you went as this big group and you like party. Yes. I've, yes. I've obviously talked about this on the podcast <laughs> before because I went with Ken Glaw's group and it was, I mean, everybody was together in one place and it was amazing. Um, so yeah, I went to Brazil six times and finally, finally won the race. And that was five years ago. Right. So you posted on Instagram this week. Very, uh, what's the word? Emotional TBT throwback that, that you were ready to quit the sport, Sarah, six weeks before I'm in Brazil, you were like, I think I'm done. I'm out. And Marilyn, who I think has been on the Iron Women podcast a few times, a coach, uh, told you, give it two more weeks. And then you ended up, you know, winning Brazil. So what can we learn great from advice. that? And there were other, like, there are other details of that story that just didn't fit on Instagram. Well, like, you know, like I went to Ironman Texas the week before, right? And completely tanked. Like, I think I ran four-hour marathon, right? <laughs> and then realized after, and this is something, like, we're way more aware of now, even than five years ago, is around, like, our periods and how, like, certain uh, points yeah. in our cycle, things go really wrong. And for me, that's typically uh, two days before I get my period. And so that's a day I hit in Texas. And I remember thinking, I almost didn't get on the plane to Brazil. because like, I mean, running a four-hour marathon for a pro was a bit, like whoa yeah, there's you like probably, something wrong with me right right i'm just gonna say i've been there like a month ago it happened so. <laughs> it's right and so then and so then i thought okay I, i'm either like within two days i'm either gonna get my period or i need to go home and regroup and figure out what's wrong with me so i got my period and i got on the plane and i went to brazil and won the race <laughs> so this gets to the question of like all right lots of ups and downs in the sport sarah it's mm-hmm. like what we do. That is the sport. What are times it has been worth it? Like all the, all the fucking bullshit, right? Like ended up being worth it. Yeah, it did. I, it's, you know, when, when I started talking about this, I thought, you know, before it 
with, I think around the time I was deciding to retire, right? Okay. Before I, before I actually won. And I had tried to win, I think I had collected like over 20 top fives. Okay. Right? Like I've been second, like, I don't know, like three or four, like enough times. I've been second enough times to think I could win and keep going, but also enough times to be annoying, you know? <laughs> and I thought, I'm going to have to accept that I might have this whole career and I, and, and I might not win. Right. So that right. was like, that's part of the moment too, is it's like when I'm talking to Marilyn and I'm saying to her, look, I, I think I'm done. Cause I have now accepted that I might not win. I've stopped. I was almost like stopping that right. trying. Right. And I think that piece of it was important too, is like coming to terms because I recognize like it could have just like the dice could have been rolled, rolled a different way on that mm-hmm. day in Brazil. Right. So if there's no, you don't want to think like, oh, it's keep, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it to pin that outcome mm-hmm. on a win. Right. Does True. that make sense? Like, oh, like you yeah. don't have to, you shouldn't have to win to make it worth it. That was very deep. That was very. Yeah. Like accepting. I think if I could like, yeah, if we, if we want to go, like if we want to drill down on this Instagram post, <laughs> nice. uh, which Why we're, not? We're, we're already doing it. So like we're, we're, we're committed. We're um, there. <laughs> I think maybe the real moment there is accepting that I might've had, I might have had at that point, a career that was like, instead of saying two time Ironman champion beside my name, I would have been like 20 time top five Ironman finisher. <laughs> you would be a way less big deal in Canada. FYI, that's like, <laughs> but it's fine. I mean, obviously. Okay. So when we talk like, because we talked this week in the newsletter about like the times it's been worth it, because there was like a couple of examples this week, for whatever reason, I saw people who had like very emotional wins after like a lot of shit. Right. But when it's worth, it doesn't have to be a win, right? Like that doesn't, a win isn't always a win, right? What is worth it for any individual person, like cashing it all in could be anything, right? It could be like, oh, you finally achieved X. You finally like felt like you put it all out there, right? You finally had the race, the race, right? We we always want like that one. Mm -hmm. So yeah, obviously it doesn't have to be a win. It's just, you know. Yeah. And I use, I actually use the, I'm I'm giving a talk tomorrow about things that lessons that I've learned through sport that I now apply to like how I'm building out the media company or to the CrossFit or that I use in my life right now, basically. How you're building out CrossFit. How I'm building out, how I'm building out my, my apps. No, how I'm building building my business and, or apply to CrossFit. Anyway, so I, one of them was, oh, now I totally lost it. You uh, oh, yeah. are having a talk. This you... is what it is. I'm doing a talk. So one of the points that I want to make um, is that now I use that mentality of being like that I'm in the 10 years kind of thing, if that makes sense. Like in the context of like, it took me 10 years from when I first decided I wanted to try to win Iron Man to when I won. And so when I'm having a bad moment in another context, like whether it's parenting or whether it's like, what the hell am I going to do about this business? How am I going to make money or whether like whatever it is, whatever that bad moment is, I, one of the mental tactics I use now is like, this is just a moment in the 10 years, right? Like this is just one, this is just one of the little struggles along the way. Cause I have this context from previously of having 10 years of like fighting to try to win when finally, so that just feeling like believing that the winning moment, whatever that is, is coming. Right. And I'm going to push through this hard moment because it's just one moment in the 10 years. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I mean, it makes sense. I don't know that I've like, uh, lived it, Sarah. 
I'm just going to like internalize it and take it out into my just life. Take it, just take it, mm-hmm. take it my great mm-hmm. wisdom. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> I hope people understand when I'm being tongue and cheek on here and that I'm not just like propping myself up. No, we all think that you actually think you're amazing uh, and the best ever and you're full of yourself. So <laughs> perfect. <laughs> okay. After the break, uh, we're going to discuss runners and whether they should help maintain trails. We would like to thank Noon Hydration for supporting the podcast. Get 30% off your order by using the code IRONWOMEN at noonlife.com. That's IRONWOMEN at noonlife.com. And don't forget to order your feisty gear at livefeisty.com with the code RIDING to get a 20% discount. Follow at If We Were Riding on all the social medias and leave us a review on iTunes. Also, tell your actual friends in person how awesome we are, because that works too. If We Were Riding is a Live Feisty Media production and is hosted by Kelly O'Mara and me, Sarah Gross. Our marvelous editor is Aaron Hamilton. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop this time like the last time. You better get ready to race in the top. to do this, show you what the truth is. I step on the field, it's time to get real, and I'm feeling so ruthless. Okay, so have you ever done trail maintenance? No, I am aware. I am aware that, that it I happens. I don't mountain bike. I don't okay. mountain bike, but I know enough mountain bikers to know that trail maintenance is a thing in that community. Right. So they often, I mean, there are trail maintenance days all the time. You like see them, uh, like the, like the conservancy will have one and, oh, come out and help. And sometimes it's building a new trail or clearing vegetation or putting in you know, wood stops like in the dirt, uh, like stop erosion and mountain bikers do like do it as kind of part of the community, but runners don't generally like, and then I, when I, this argument was made this week that runners are, are lazy and we are not sh- holding up our end of the bargain. All these like trail runners, cause trail running is exploding are not doing their share to maintain the trails. And when I was thinking about that, I was like, actually, I think that's probably true. Like, I don't really know of runners who do like regular trail maintenance, I certainly like, I mean, I think I like have is like a work day when like my office had a volunteer in the community day, but like I don't regularly. Right. But then I also was like, and maybe this is just the context of where I live and stuff. It's like, why do we need to like the trails are maintained by the county. It'd be weird for me to go out and just like make my own trail. Like what, what needs to be, isn't running on it. Just like keeping the dirt. I don't, you know. Yeah. I think it it depends who who's in charge like you're right who's in charge of maintaining the trails that you are using right so if it is the county and there are people who are paid to do that right and of course you don't need to volunteer your time you're just taking a job away from someone it's just bizarre and if you like made your own trails they would take them down because that would be illegal and bizarre right so right versus um another example would be in scotland i used to live near a mountain bike park Right. And there was like, they had a certain budget for it, whatever, but they didn't have enough budget to go around. And I think they had one ranger who worked right. the whole park. It was a big mountain bike. So they would have days where everybody came out and volunteered and put, and of course on mountain bike trails, there's all kinds of like obstacles and they build things. Right. And it's like, it's a bit more yeah, involved. Yeah. Like in that context, it made sense. It was privately owned and they were doing a service to the community that they didn't have enough funding to fully take care of. I guess it is true. I am going to run the Dipsy uh, after Victoria. And that is like our big, uh, 
oldest trail race in the country. I guys. remember it from last year. It's it a feels big like deal. Yesterday. Right. Mm-hmm. But that is one where you're like, oh, I hope someone went out and maintained it before we come through. And they have to like put down wood planks for bridges and clear. And I, you're like, I really hope someone cleared the poison oak before I get there because that would be nice. So, yeah. So there are, I mean, I do understand there are. Maybe we should do our own part, Sarah. More runners should get out there. I think that's probably true. More probably. runners should get out there and, and help with. You know, the other thing about volunteering, I always think, and maybe I'm, I don't know, just, but I, we should all give back our time in some way. And then we're all allowed to have our priorities in which way we do that. Okay. Makes sense. So if you, if you're a runner and you don't work on the trails, but you are giving back in some other way, then good check i know the other the thing that is always rough for me about volunteering in the triathlon community is that i really 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 dislike volunteering for for-profit organizations that make lots of money at their races i feel that them having a business model off of free labor is problematic so mm. i have this like but obviously that keeps our races for like that like i participate so i want to volunteer but i like only really volunteer at like the local little races so, instead you volunteer right. to be a writer and podcaster no for- i was water safety crew and lifeguard at our local triathlon oh nice that's amazing like, But yeah, I I really, so the whole volunteer race thing is a whole separate weird issue, but maybe for another day, another day. We know what it takes to be reaching the top. We know what it takes to be reaching the top.